Hi guys, welcome back to the States Predictions of Musings with the Movement Man. And like I said, I'm looking at coaches and managers and, and people that are still involved in that craft as well as coaching it. And, uh, and today's guest is someone that it's been on the radar for quite a while to be honest with you. You know, I speak to a lot of people, we've got a lot of mutual friends, and they always say to me, Have you spoke to that guy before? Have you spoke to that guy? And I, I, I tend to know of some, but my guest today, I, I haven't, if I'm totally honest. Uh, I'm always hearing rave reviews about him. Everyone I speak to, everyone that I know, that we have mutual friends that are always raving about him, what he does in his academy, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when, when I decided to start doing some podcasts, he was, you know, really on the first one of my names on my list, and I'm, I'm just I'm just great to that we're going to have two chats. So today's guest, I'll let you, I'll let you introduce yourself, mate. Hello. So, uh, first of all, thank you for the kind words, Steve. Um, I'm Jamie Crellin. Um, 28 years old from Brighton. Um, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a qualified PE teacher, um, where I'm currently working at Marlowe Primary School as a PE specialist. Um, previous to that, I was uh, delivering a 16 to 19 college program at Brighton Aldridge Community Academy. Um, stepped away from that because it wasn't really going in the right direction of where I wanted it to go. Um, in terms of from their behalf, not mine, to start a new role at Marlowe, which I'm loving. Um, alongside that, I co-found Ace Football Academy, um, which is a coaching provider for children aged 4 to 14 um, in the Sussex area. And then alongside that, I'm first team coach at Free Bridges. So, uh, busy man, but can't complain, so I love it. Um, so no, very fortunate to obviously have three coaching roles that all vary very differently. But um, no, I'm just fortunate I get to work coaching every day. Brilliant. And I, I always ask this question, like I say, you first in coach at uh, Free Bridges, uh, you've got your own academy, and you know, you've got, so you, you've got your school setting. So there's, there's three varied uh, types of individuals. Okay. Yeah, of course. Cool. First thing I'll ask you, mate, is what is your philosophy of football? <sighs> I think that's like a, it's a good question with coaching. I feel, for me, when coaches get asked that, they feel they've got to come back with some stringy sentence or buzzwords. And to be honest, it drives me nuts. Um, and obviously, as you can appreciate, for me, uh, a philosophy would change depending on the environment and the audience that you're delivering a session to. Um, and obviously, as you can appreciate, that, that happens quite often in my case. Um, obviously, from coaching reception-age children at school, um, to delivering sessions to full-grown men at Free Bridges. Um, so what I've tried to do in terms of my own philosophy is I've tried to pick three or four key factors and elements that I like to take with me, um, and then I try and deliver them, them. I try and get them key points out in the sessions. Um, obviously, how I do that is, um, is obviously varies and, and differs between the, between the sessions. Um, but for me, if I was going to pick one word that is evident in all three of those environments and you probably when I say the word you probably go well, that's a little bit obvious in the, in the foundation phase in the school um, and then obviously but for me it gets a little bit lost in, in as soon as you turn 18 when it gets a little bit lost and that, that word for me is enjoyment mm. um, obviously the foundation phase people go well, that's obvious but is it obvious because you obviously you're a football man I'm a football man I obviously I deliver football but I walk through parks I walk through my nephew he's, he's eight years old so he's going through all the grassroots things now um, and how many times we walk through a park and we see a, see a line drill we've got 12 kids stuck behind one cone and it's like 
just as people, I don't know anyone that likes standing in a line, adults or kids. So where's the enjoyment in that? And then you look at the other aspect of, I've had some cracking coaches that work for me. They deliver a top class like passing pattern, for example, to a foundation phase under eights, nines, tens. And yes, the technical input's fantastic. Um, but then it's that it comes off to, yeah, I love that. That was great. Did the kids? Mm, I'm not sure because to be honest, what eight-year-old wants to be pulling off mannequins all night? So for me, in the foundation phase, it's getting the balance of the technical input that needs to go into the session, but they've got to enjoy it because obviously if they don't enjoy it, they're not going to come back. Your sessions could be great, but if you've got anyone to deliver them to, then you're struggling. Absolutely. Um, so obviously people say it's obvious in the foundation phase, but sometimes you don't always see it. Um, but obviously, as I say, it's a key element that the technical input does go in and then obviously you've got the enjoyment factor as well. So you've got to find a way to combine the two. And then for me, it kind of gets, at 18 years old, it kind of gets lost and it's kind of, oh, they're expected to play or they're here because they want to kick on and it's, it's still a hobby, let's be honest. And the way I look at it at Free Bridges is these guys, they're, they're obviously full-grown men, they work long weeks, they've got kids. I've got everyone's got their own problems let's be honest so for them it's probably the only two hours they get out of the house a week but it's a little bit of them time they're choosing to come to free bridges football club to spend that time they could be working more hours to earn more money um and the last thing they want to be doing is step behind a cone listen to me waffle jargon for my own ego um so i think enjoyment across all levels of football from the minute they're born to even I'd even obviously pros a little bit different when they're getting paid thousands of thousands of job obviously um it's a little bit different but when people say you say enjoy it oh they've got well of course they've got to enjoy it so for me that's that's a big big factor and not only that obviously you'll know from education and research will show if you enjoy something you're going to learn a lot more from it um so obviously don't get me wrong as I say and as I reiterate your technical input's got to be there um, by no means is it a free fall. Obviously, the, the, the discipline's there, the structure's there, the input's there, the session outcomes are going to be there. Um, but it's got to be enjoyable. How many times do you see a practice where the back four are defending, for example, you've got the attackers going at it, defenders win it, and then the coach recalls it back to the coach. Mm. And for a defender, it's demoralising. So with a little tweak of that, of, right, let's put two goals in, and every time the defenders get it, they've got to hit the target. You're still getting the same outcome in the session, but it's suddenly enjoyable for everyone. Yeah. No, so, absolutely. I think I think one of the things that you, you see in coaching, I think, you know, and again, and I, I say lots of things, and, I, and, I, and if you listen to this, and Jamie will say the same thing. You know, we're not we're not we're not saying it's you directly to listen. You listen in your, in your iPad when you're going out for a run this evening or something. You know, it's just a genuine sort of statement. And I say yeah. this as well is that is that you know I see so many coaches. And I see so many educators as well. So it's just it's, it's a universal thing where they coach or they teach for themselves. It's oh, about, yeah. It's not about you know them. There's the space, facilitate space. Individual grows from that space. They find autonomy. All this. No, no. It's about me. It's all you know. I'm, whatever has it's how good I am. If I, as long as I have a good session as a coach or I have a good uh, lesson as an educator, then the amount of times I've seen that attitude. And no, you're right. It, it, it happens a lot, too much. And a I, lot, I, a lot. But that's that's one one of the things that really is a pet peeve of mine is that when you see someone teaching something, is like, are they teaching for themselves? Look smart, you know, in front of 
you know, whoever's, whoever's watching or listening, or are they actually, do they have the person interest at best? No, of course. And that, that's one thing, obviously, about the coach. And obviously, yes, you're coaching, you're, you're managing people. And obviously, with the enjoyment factors, as I say, like the, the boys, I know a lot of the boys at Bridges, they work their cop off all week. They're working 60-hour weeks. They're working hard. They, and they come to Bridges having left work. They probably could have had more money back at work. And if you can connect with them as people before you even look at the player, you're halfway there. Absolutely. So I think, I think that's massive. And I think, obviously, over the last, the, you know, football's changed, isn't it? You've got to deal with, no matter whether it's teaching, coaching, as you say, education, you've got to deal with a person before you go into the next step of what you're delivering for me. Absolutely, absolutely. But again, but say, you know, you say that, but, you know, you'll, you'll be, well, you wouldn't be amazed, but the listener might be amazed at how many people don't embrace that. You know, no, of course. That, you know, it's the person first um, and the skill element. Up. And I say this in all podcasts, you know, mm. we, all, we all try to do is, is, is improve the person. Like, no, of course, the yeah. Experience they can have when they're in your company, you know. Uh, well, nothing I want to ask you as well, and, and you, you probably are really good to, to, to speak about this because you work in education, you know, and you work in, in the PE department. Uh, so you're seeing the sort of, you know, the boisterous environments come out. And this is this is a weird question, but I ask it quite a lot because it's one of those things that for me, I'm seeing less and less. Do you think there's a there's a lack of encouraging winning? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for me, definitely. Um, obviously, now when I think they would go as far as saying, obviously, the bodies and when you're in education, that obviously up to 16, there's no there's no competition at all, which I get. I fully under, get, understand it's all about development and participation, but at some point you've got to introduce that because at the end of the day, when you turn 17, 18, let's be honest, yes, it's still about development, but it's about winning. So you've got to phase that in at some point. And obviously there's loads of different opinions. I'm, I'm, I'm quite old school, you win or you lose. Yes, obviously the person that loses, you, you've got to make them feel better and they've got to understand that... But yeah, I, I fully agree, obviously, you, you, even in terms of not my school personally, you see schools where they won't reward first, second, third for sports days now because of all the, the mental feelings. Uh, let's be honest, uh, Stephen, that's life, isn't it? You're going to get that. With, even if they come away from sport at 16 and they go into work, you're going to have the best person at work and you're not going to have a second day. It happens in life. For me, it's not just a sports. It's a life. It's a life, life skill. Um, so yeah, for me that that as that element of it's been drawn out massively. Um, even now, you go to some tournaments and they're not competitive to under nines, under tens now because of all of the boys' feelings and everyone's got to get a medal and trophies. And but for me, the the earlier they can learn it, the better. Obviously, don't get me wrong; you've got to accommodate the the social factor and everyone's got to have experience winning, but also everyone's got to experience losing because nine times out of ten, you're going to go through your life unless you're very successful. You're going to lose more times than you win. Absolutely, and um, I mean, all, we, we all in education, especially at this time when you know that social, you know, isolation is is big, and uh, you know, and I think your your younger years, you know, your younger school years, but you know, exams and you know, you know, students' teachers and things like that, so all in the balance. And everyone in education, in some respects, is dealing with you know the chaotic environment. We, we, we all we all emotional resilience this this ability to bounce back from emotional hardship 
you know, and that hardship is it's independent for each person. But losing is part of that emotion. Of course. You know, yeah, of course. You don't lose, or you don't have emotions to losing, you have feelings about losing, etc., etc. You don't experience losing. Unfortunately, you've got to lose in life because you can't have everything. You know, you may not be losing a game of football, everything you want. How do you, cool. how do you deal with that? And the only way you deal with it, I don't know about you, is by having that in the environment. Of going through that, of course it is. It's no different to anything. Let's talk about, but, let's talk about your the three bridges this year. Okay. Uh, on table, wasn't a great year. No, poor, very poor. And, and I don't know reasons why, how's, and, you know, it's not actually going to speak, but, you know, what, what sort of thing happened? this year club wise um so obviously just to give you a little bit of insight of how i've ended up obviously at, at as a free bridges coach um obviously i was a player um obviously i've done the non-league circuit like we all do the worthings the lewis um peace havens and to be honest as i talk about enjoyment free bridges was really at 23 years old the first club i went to and i enjoyed so um had loads of opportunities to kick on uh, chairman paul Faley. Real made a real good connection with him. And again, it was a personal connection. As we say, it's about people. And he, re he really managed to make me feel great when I was going through some tough times. Um, so he kind of stuck by me. And then obviously I had an ankle injury, um, which ruled me out. Sort of physio, he said, look, chances of playing again are slim. Um, so yeah, and then it was kind of the old manager. So obviously the chairman was the gaffer. And then we went up from the county to the Ryman. Um, obviously then he gave it to the assistant he stepped aside that didn't go too great um, obviously the old gaffer got sacked so the chairman took it back and at that time obviously I was not playing so he said look jump on side with the coaching board so obviously just for the listeners that's how I've got into the, the free bridges coaching role um, so obviously I've been around it as a, as a player for 10-12 years now but so this season was the first year for me as a coach around the men's environment um, and if I'm honest <sighs> I've given managers to stick in my time, but it, it's tough. And obviously, it's a huge learning curve. And for me, yes, we, to be honest, <laughs> as bad as it sounds, I was thrilled the season was over, yeah. um, null and void, because obviously we're down the bottom end. And I know that's unfortunate for people at the top. Um, but for me, I was thrilled. I know someone else has a little bit out of order, but obviously for personal reasons. Um, but if I can say anything, it's been a huge learning, a learning curve. Um, and obviously at the start of the year, I said I'd do the coaching. We had one guy doing the recruitment a little bit. Um, and for me, it, it was wrong in terms of um, boys from outside the area coming in um, for the wrong reasons. Um, obviously, you don't have to be a genius to work out what I'm, I'm getting at there. Um, and everything you try and build in football just wasn't there in terms of a good changing room. Um, and once you've lost that, then it's impossible to get it back mid-season because that guy then left November time and I kind of I was trying to recruit the kind of style of players I sat down with the chairman I said look we've got to build a whole new culture um, we've got to go and find young boys that want to be here they're young they're local they're hungry not boys from 40 miles away that are driving past 20 clubs to be here sort of thing we've got to be finding little gems because let's be honest what you have to understand with three bridges they don't have a big budget and there's five or six other clubs in Sussex that people would rather play for mm because they're bigger clubs, they've got bigger fan bases. So the recruitment is hard, but you've got to be smart. Obviously, you've got to find players that are playing county league that want to kick on. You've got to find little gems that are coming out of college football. And 
So for me, the last six months, that's what I've been doing. I've been building a big old book. I've been speaking to these players on and off. But when you're third from bottom, who wants to come and play for you unless you're going to give them shitloads of money? They don't because no one wants relegation on their, on their CV. So it's been a tough year, don't get me wrong. But one thing I'm going to take from it, and to be honest, obviously, as it is all, this, this lockdown is costing us all a fortune. And, but for me, it's been a blessing because I've had so much time to reflect. Um, and I feel I've grown as a person massively in the, in the four or five weeks it is. Just from learning everything, I've been reading the players, getting feedback on this, feedback on that. How can we do this better? How can we do that better? It's going to be a chance. Because if I'm honest as well, obviously, well, I've got the coaching role of ace. I'm so busy that the jobs that should be getting done, they kind of don't because you don't physically have time getting up at nine o'clock at night. And them jobs, so it's to, to be honest, this time has been a blessing for me. Um, I'll say publicly, if we're that end of the table next year, um, we can look back at this. And obviously, I've made more, more and more mistakes, which I'm not scared to do. But with what I've learned in the last 12 months, like a sponge, I've just soaked it and absorbed it all up. Um, I'll be surprised if we're down there again. Uh, that's not being big-headed. That's just me thinking of what I've learned and what I can put into place of how I can make the place better. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm really, really excited for it. One of the things you said then, and you, you always hear it, when, when things don't go the way that, you know, someone plans, uh, you always hear it. And that, that word is, you know, the loss of changing room. Change has been lost. You know, it's a big, it's a big sort of issue. Now, some people never experience it. Some people always have good changing rooms. You know, some people have lots of money to throw around. Doesn't always make sure you've got a good change room. We know there's people that take your money and, and, and be a poison to your club. Okay? And, there, and there are many of those. But in general, if you do pay good money and you get the right people, you've, you've already got a hook. You know, you've already got a little bit of a hook. But people don't experience when change rooms go bad. And you've gone from a player to the coaching side and that's, that's different itself. What what did you try to do, if you, if you tried at anything, I'm sure you did, to get the change room back when it's lost? And how did it get lost in the first place? Um, so, yeah, obviously, just touching on your first point, obviously, that is one of the hardest things I've found. Going from a player to a manager, obviously, a coach, um, so quickly is obviously 90% of the change room were my teammates. Obviously, I've always been a leader. I was a skipper of the club. So, obviously, I had that little bit of a leader role. But they were my friends at the end of the day. I socialised with them. I drink with them. Obviously, in a group chat, you're bantering with them. Um, so, then, so then, in such a short space of time, to become someone they're looking up to and taking direction from, um, it was difficult. And that took a bit of time. Um, because they you know, used to seeing me be the joker. I was always quite a loud, a loud character in the change room. So it has taken time. And I think, again, this lockdown will help that because I've now had like, I'll probably have a four-month spell where I've pulled away from that connection kind of thing that I've managed to kind of distance myself from a mate sort of role. So now as a, as a coach, leader sort of role. Um, in terms of the dressing room, as I say, we had such, I'm a believer of obviously local talent, local boys. And I think if you get in that, then as you say, you're halfway there. And we didn't have that. We had players coming from all over the place, 40 miles this way, 40 miles that way, 20 miles that way. And it, it's hard to get a bond. Um, and to be fair to Paul, Paul Fadley, the chairman, when we sat down around, what was it? Probably about December, we said, look, this ain't working. 
And to be fair, we knew that you you know you weren't going to get that change of back on sides. Um, we're talking about grown men that they're not going to change their ways in terms of it weren't as if we can beg them. They're young, do you know what I mean? There, so you've got to get rid of them, which we did. And then we started to rebuild with young Sussex players that wanted to be at a football club like the likes of Ben Bacon, young Sussex boy. Uh, Mason Doherty come back, another Sussex boy, Nathan Crabb, another Sussex. And we just started to rebuild with new faces because you can keep plunging at what we had, but it weren't going to work. Mm. And obviously, oh, there's a famous quote, don't be an idiot and expect change if you're not going to change nothing. And that was how I kind of, I, I sat down and I said that to him. I said, look, we can't expect change if we're not going to change anything. So to be fair, obviously results-wise, no, but from Christmas, performances have been a lot, lot better because we did start to change it. And it was starting to look at the results. We beat Phoenix away. We had some tough games and we, we gave good Chichester. We took right to the last minute, 4-3. We lost in the last minute. So in terms of the results weren't there, but the performances were. So we knew it was changing internally, although external couldn't see that in because they just keep picking up the pain. Oh, Bridges lost again, Bridges lost again. But it was slowly changing. So um, that's why I'm also confident we'd get there for this year because it weren't as if change wasn't affecting the dressing room, if that makes sense. So, go back on that sort of point again. Now, you went, so you went from a, being a player and you're the sort of, you know, like most players probably would do a player's mentality. You, know, you go out there, you, you do the best you can. If you win, great. If you lose, you're upset. Then you look at your own performance and actually, I did okay. So, you, you mask it a little bit, you know. So, some players don't care. You know, that sounds horrible. But, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between, you know, you playing, your team's losing, but you're playing, you played okay. You can mask that, mm. you know, as in, I did all right. You know, it's, all, it's a, bit of a, a bit of a sort of safety net. And to actually coaching where it's like, that's it. You know, <laughs> you're responsible for everything, everything. Tea lady, man on the floor selling tickets, 11 that woman up, the five that are subbed, the six that are moaning because they, they can't get in the team, etc. You're everything. How did you how did you cope from, like, because it was instantaneous. You know, it wasn't like, you know, you did, you did the under nines and tens, you know, it wasn't that sort of, you know, overnight, no. you, and there you go. If we lose, it's your fault. How did you cope yeah. with that? Mentally, how did you cope with that? Um, no, it was tough. And if, if I'm, not, I'm not sure you know Paul Faley. Um, as I say, I kind of see him as a father figure now. And he's always one that he's put his arm around me always when he's going to town. He said, look, get through this. And I, I respect him a lot for that because I take everything personally. Um, I'm always one of those, like, I'll give 110% at everything I do. And if someone else isn't doing that, I'll take that personal. Um, and I kind of fell in with love with Free Bridges Football Club, hence why I've been there five, six years. Um, so when I saw people not giving the same effort as what I would, um, I, I found that I took that personally. Um, but no, it was hard to, then you've got to just take a step back from it, really. Um, and it did take time. Um, but obviously, it was difficult. Um, in terms of that, yeah, but no, it's gone. No, no, I was gonna say, you know, it's just, you know, I think it's just that it's literally everything is now with you, you know, or you, you and your team, you know, everything's with you, you know, it's like you're responsible for every win, every loss, every defeat, you're responsible if something goes wrong, you know, it's just like it, you know, that pressure is from, from playing when you're a little bit happy, you know, a little bit, you know, happy go lucky, you know, and then actually, you know, to having everything about you is it's a big shift. In responsibilities, especially. Yeah. No, and obviously one thing I've always, obviously the one advantage I've found from going into players straight into into managers, obviously I've, I've seen it from the manager, the, sorry, the player role. 
And one thing I've always said to myself is obviously it's, it's tough because again, like one thing that helped me is honesty mm. or just being honest with, they were my friends, but because look, people ask you to be honest and then when you're honest and they don't like what they hear, you're, you're, the, you're the dickhead or you're the country. You know I mean, it's never them. Um, so that's one thing I've, I've, I've said to myself and I've, I owe to myself is I will be honest in every situation. Um, that might be looking at me and going, I didn't prepare properly. There's times this season um, when we've conceded goals, for example, there was once where we conceded a free kick, um, four men in the wall. I I, um, I criticised because they weren't the four biggest men in the wall. Um, so I had a bit of a pop on the Saturday. And then on a Tuesday, I went back in and I put my hand up because that set piece weren't on the wall of who should have been in the wall. So I kind of took responsibility for that and I was honest with myself. So I think one, the one word you just got to go, I go with honesty. In every situation, whether you're talking to the chairman, whether you're talking to the coaches, the players, you've just got to be honest. There's nothing worse than, as you say, like I've had it before where you get lied to as a player and you just walk away from the conversation and you're like, he's fucking talking shit. Yeah. Like, there's nothing worse than that. Like, he's talking shit. Like, oh, you're on the bench today because of this. Oh, you didn't train Thursday. Well, neither did Tom and Danny, but they're starting. So don't, you know what I mean, I've, I've been there. Yeah. So if one thing I can be, it's, it's honesty. So that's helped me a lot. Because I think to start with, players are a little bit taken back from it, like, whoa, but then they get to know that you're, you're a pure, honest character and you're going to get what you see kind of thing, which, yeah. which has helped. So but in terms, in terms of also how, how I've taken the pressure, is obviously, again, going back to him, Fadey's obviously, the, he's taken a lot of the sting, knowing that I'm new into it. Um, so to be fair, he's been great like that. And it's obviously lovely that... Well, that was, he's a chairman, so I know he's not going to get sacked. So it's nice being able to build that relationship without worry that he's going to get moved on sort of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's cool. The other thing I want to see now, so it's, it's like, it's, you, know, every, every, you have the, the opportunity now while on this hiatus of, uh, of sort of self-isolation. It's like you said, you know, one or two people want to come out, you're going to get those who have been creative, you know, physically, mentally, yeah. spiritually, whichever way you want to call it. And you know, you said you've you've learned so much about yourself in these last five weeks. And you're going to get, you're going to get someone who's just, you know, just going to going to moan and groan about, you know, why they're sitting indoors, not allowed out. So you've been creative. So you know, we'll go back in X date. Season starts again. Brand new slate for for purchase. Oh, sorry, free purchase on my purchase. Brand new slate. Brand new slate. Pen and paper in your hand. What are you doing to get you? And your fellow and your team way above where you are. Clean slate, pen and paper. It's there in your hand. What is your dossier to get get you above that bottom three again? Way above. Uh, and obviously, so from from recruitment side, it will be it will be young Sussex players, um, which, as I said in, earlier in, in the podcast, it, we haven't had that. Um, so next season, you can expect to see a Bridges lineup of young Sussex players. Um, with a bit of experience in there, but again, they'll be local Sussex players. Um, in terms of that, the pre-season, obviously last pre-season was the first pre-season I've ever delivered as a, as a grown men's coach. So I was kind of building the sessions um, week by week and again because of time. Um, but now I've had chance, I've built the whole seven-week pre-season plan. Um, it's done and dusted. Um, so that's all set to go. Pre-season-wise, fitness last year, we were nowhere near fit enough. Um, and I take full responsibility for that in terms of they were still my friends, um, these players that I was delivering the sessions to. So 
maybe I let them get in my head a little bit of, oh, not running again tonight. And I kind of think, uh, again, going back to my enjoyment thing, I wanted them to enjoy it because I'm their friends. I was kind of, I pulled away from that, but I learned a lot. We was nowhere near fit in our start of the year. So Bridges will be one of the fittest sides in the league next year due to how hard pre-season is going to be. Um, and then really just, again, uh, a philosophy of, Yes, you can have passing out and all that, and it drives me nuts that everyone thinks they've got to pass a ball out from the back. And unless you're doing that of a purpose and you've got a real idea of doing that and you've got the right tools as in players to do that, then that's not going to work and that's not for everyone. So for me, we, we won't be doing that because just we, have, we won't have the tools for that. It's not the direction we're going to go in. It's not what I believe in for that league and that level. Um, so we've got our philosophy that we're going to stick to in a game plan. Um, and then, yeah, just a real good vibe of a place to be around as you say for me it's as you say we go back to it yes it's non-league football but it, the the club's got to be place people enjoy being at whether that be the dinner lady um, whether that be the kit man the physio they've got to enjoy coming into that environment and yes that comes with winning but it, it's got to be the whole culture change because to be fair to uh, Bridges although despite we're, we're down the bottom of that league there isn't many clubs off the pitch in terms of how good the playing services. I think most people agree it's one of the best services in the league. Uh, the changing rooms, they get fed after every training session. Uh, the kit man brings everything to every home and away game, a towel. These normally players are literally turning up in nothing, but I literally a pair of boots now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so off the field, they, we've got there. It's just now on the pitch, we've got to start delivering. And as I say, these six, seven weeks have been a blessing, really, because I've had time to plan things. That, to be honest, if we didn't have this lockdown, they, they wouldn't have been done and it would have been off the cuff. And that's honesty because of the time. Yeah, no, that's and as you know, nothing, nothing off the cuff is ever going to be as good as it is as it is planned. Absolutely. One of the questions I'll ask is, you, you, you've gone back to it a few times ago, and you know, this little bit of five, six we've had on, you've learned so much. What have you learned about yourself in this last five or six? Um, that I don't know everything. And obviously, I think a lot of coaches will be scared to admit that. Um, no one knows everything, do they? Of course. Um, and don't be scared if you don't know it. You've just got to go and find a way of knowing it. Um, in terms of that, just for me, and it, it, I'm, a, I'm a be the best you can be in what you are. And I've just tried to, over these six weeks, just some people call it busy, don't they? And I, I can't stand that term because it they're normally the ones that are the lazy ones and it's just they're a little bit jealousy isn't there when they start chucking that term around as well he's busy but for me I've just been listening to podcasts like with yourselves I've listened to all of them yesterday at Sun Garden because I want to get better and I'm a massive believer of if you're going to do something do it to the best of your ability whether that be if you're a binman be the best binman that there is if you're a paper boy be the best paper and I've always lived by that motto and one thing I'll say is I've never ever been the most best obviously I'm not never the best player I'm not going to be the best coach of course I'm not but I will always be the hardest worker in the room and that's, that's a motto I live by and I think that's just been more evident in this time off because I've, I just wanted to do nothing but learn and just find different ways to learn I'm speaking to other coaches how do you do this how do you do that just just to get better really and as you say there is two there's two types of people isn't there yeah literally and, and I think some people are going to come at this and and flourish, you know, it may not be yeah. to start with because I think we're going to be in a struggle. Well, yeah, we're all going to struggle. We're going to come at this, you know, with a, with a different, you know, use that word mindset, <laughs> a different, different understanding of the reality and, and how life is. And some people are going to, you know, bury their head and, and moan and groan about how, you know, how poor and how bad this situation is, you know. And let's not forget, you know, we are the lucky ones having a podcast, 
you know, in our save of a home, there are people that are no longer with us, and there are people that are on the front line that are doing the better thing I'll ever do in my life. You know, oh, cool. One of the things I want to talk about, and you know, you, you play like you know, you know, you're hardworking, you know, passionate, desirable, you know, or you might not be, might not be the best, uh, but you're gonna, you know, you give everything a go. If you don't, if you, don't you know, you put a penny in for a pound. If you don't give it the best, you go out there. You know, there's no point doing stuff. I've got a conversation coming up this this maybe next week with with someone that I work with, and and this 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 word. From the younger generation, and again, it's a global word, it's not the prettiest, but this is no great generation. Okay, you hear this all the time, and I'm 46, so you know, I'm way past that sort of, sort of, uh, sort of age group. But because you work in education, because you work with young and you can you know, young players at, at your club, do you think there is just a genuine willingness to want to work hard, or is that something which is you know, it's still there and my generation labelled at this because it's always good to learn about, you know, the younger generation. Or is it a fact that actually, you know, there are signs where the younger generation do not want to work hard, do not want to commit, do not want to be passionate about something because it's, it's too much of this, uh, this instant gratification, you know, specifically day, reset button. You know, I'm losing, reset, doesn't matter, start again, reset, start again, you know, all this world. Do you think that is, is a dream in Worry, if that makes sense, of a lack of pure yeah. awareness to you know to do what you've got to do to get the task done and be proud of it. Yeah, massively. And for me, I think one thing that's that's changed that I think it's social media. Mm. Social media has obviously just had a huge effect on the younger generation. Of <laughs> you can be a millionaire with no money in your account on on social media. Do you know what I mean? And they. I don't think I don't think they see how hard you've got to work to actually live that lifestyle. Um, and obviously, I, as I say, I went back to before I started my locals delivering the sixteen to nineteen program at um, Brighton Aldridge Community Academy, which linked up to Burgess Hill. Um, so we're working with sixteen to nineteen year olds. That they say they want to go into the program. Um, they want to be about. I was delivering sessions and then I, I, I don't see them doing more than enough. And enough is never enough. Mm. You've got to be doing more. And I say to these boys, I say, these pro clubs have already got boys that are training five days a week. What are you doing that's more than that? Do you see what I'm saying? If, if you've got Johnny at Charlton that's training five days a week, how are you going to get better than him? Because you ain't got the mindset to do it. You're finishing at two o'clock, which you're never ever going to do in your life again. Stay out here for another hour. Do some fast feet. Ask me to do some some shooting. But you just don't you don't see it. And even at Bridges, I don't see that. Yeah. And to be honest, the first time this year I've seen that is with Mason Doherty when he signed late on. He only played one game because of the whole lockdown. Training finished at nine o'clock, and he's out there till twenty past nine, smashing balls in the back of net. Because there is people that want to do it. But there's not enough of them. And the ones that do do it, I think will go on to go far. Um, but yeah, I think I think massively they they don't really understand what you've got to do to get what you want. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like I say, you know, I I I I, I say this all the time, and I say you know, when you listen to this, you know, if you're listening to it and you're that younger generation, you know, you're going to say, oh, I I can't, and you and you do, and I'm not, you know, saying you don't, but you know, when we talk about that football language, you know, you you hear stories of Frank Lampard climbing back over West Ham fences. Come back at eight o'clock at night to take three kicks in the pitch black. Yeah, 
and David Beckham spending hours upon hours upon hours. You know, Dave Besson, the FA Cup final first goal, he's having a penalty from, you know, against Liverpool, John Aldridge, spending a whole week, two hours a day practicing penalties because it might come up. Now, I know, I know, I know players still do this to Jenny, but they do it because they want to be the And, you know, when, when we are in a generation potentially where we've got this social media, we've got this instant verification where we can, I say, reset that button, reset that button, we can buy anything on the internet and put it on credit and no one knows about it. We can, you know, multiple ways of, of how we can achieve things without actually working hard. element of losing, like we said before, you know, that actual of losing, that drive to be better. I, I don't see that in many people. You know, I don't see that emotion when things don't go your well and you're determined to try to make it better. Even if you don't make it better, you have a desire that you want to make it better, which is, you know, ultimately the ultimate thing is that desire to work. You know, having that ability to, you know, stay up and work excessively hard, be a student of the game. I don't see people being students of the game. You know, I'm like you, I'm, I'm, you know, you're a lot younger, but in my generation, I watch, I watch videos of Gary Lineker and Ian Rush and Jimmy Gordon and Dennis Laws. And Malcolm McDonald, you know, I watched videos of, and I was in the Ian Rush. I went back and wanted to see centre forwards how they played, what they did. If I wasn't playing it, I was watching. I mean, just watching it on a Saturday night match, a live game on a Sunday, and cheering for your team. And I mean, I was, I was watching videos. We had no DVDs back in when I was a kid. It was just you know, videos. But I don't see that. I don't see people actually being a real, real student the game of football no and as you say it's just it's too easy to say that you care but as you say the words mean nothing and I, I was I was like as you just say like you were I was exactly the same at 16 I still believed I could be a pro um, and I went to Charlie College with Dabba um, and I was out there I was doing fast feet after I was travelling I lived in Brighton I was travelling an hour and a half to get to Chai every day and get back because I still believed I could do it and it's funny you should say when I when I talked to some of the college boys when I was in the old row and it used to be of oh, I don't have time. It's like get up earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like of course you've got time. If you want something bad enough, you do it. And obviously I, I live by that. I, some people say to me, "You're a freak." I have these chats all the time. Like, I used to get up at seven o'clock a couple of years ago, and now I get up at five religiously because to me that's an extra two hours a day. Um, that's, are you still with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. Like, to me, that's an extra two hours a day. That's 14 hours a week. That's 56 hours a month. Yeah. And you're telling me someone working, whether it be on a, as you say, academically or in education or in football, someone that's working an extra 56 hours a month compared to someone else, it's got more chance of being successful. Absolutely. But when you say it to these boys, you, they, they just can't get their head around that concept of that's got to be done to achieve that. And I think sometimes they're deluded of, oh, no, nah, Ronaldo don't work that hard. It's kind of just given to him. And like, it's funny you should say that, like, even now, um, it's a bit of a sore subject. Like, you get all these, um, you see people doing 5K runs for the NHS. And uh, obviously in free bridges, they're putting their times in and things like that. Some have got the attitude of, I'm never going to get, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to get down below to that. And it's like, why not? You're a human being. Yeah. And then like, a, a pro's time got put in. And it was like, I said, there's, there's a target. He's a pro. It's like, he's a human. Forget he's a pro. He's a human. You're a human. And you can get to that time if you wanted to. It's the want to do it. You've got to want to do it to be able to... And as you say, that's the art with coaching. We can put on the best session plans. We can put on this. We can put on that. 
but you can't give someone the desire to want to go and do that. Absolutely. And, and I don't know where you've seen this. Someone, someone in the previous podcast actually brought it up and it was, you know, I saw it yesterday. So we've seen that uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter uh, post that's kind of moment with Dennis Wise. Have you seen Yeah, that? I see that. When, they, when, and he, then, Dennis when Wise, he's telling them boys to... Yeah. And, and, yeah. and obviously different posts are reporting different things. But the, the one that I saw that I got, I got tagged into, you know, I think, you know, it was a whole 50, 60 replies and at least three quarters or even more were like, how terrible, you can't be doing that. That's not coaching, that's not this and that's not that. And I, know, I watched that and was like, to me, that came across as only one thing is pride. Having pride about yourself to try to, you know, try to win, to try, you know, to, to not like wanting to lose. What did you think when you saw that video? No, it's funny you should say that because I saw the video and then the person that had put it onto my timeline, um, it was on. It was a coach, but I'm so glad that the football days like this aren't anymore. And I thought to myself, I thought, he's just, he's just pride. He's just passionate about what he's doing. Um, and I, I say, I use, a, I, I use a phrase a lot with well, three Bridget. Obviously, football is just 11 1v1 battles, is how I see the game of football. Yes, it's 11v11, but it's 11 1v1 battles. And if, if nine of you win your 1v1 battle, you're going to be successful most weeks. And no matter whether you're going in a 1v1 battle with a football, at work, at college, you should want to win that battle. And I don't see anyone, obviously, as I say, I'm a little bit old school, I see, I kind of get the impression I'm from the same sort of cloth as you. I'd hate to lose that battle, whether it be at work, whether it be a game of fucking rock, paper, scissors, I never ever want to lose that. So for me, yeah, it come across to me as pride and I couldn't really get the impression of why he's just passionate about what he's doing. Yeah, he's chucked in a couple of swear words, but who doesn't? Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah, I just thought, I was a little bit upset when I saw um, football's like not like this anymore. I'm thinking, well, maybe it needs to start getting a little bit like that. Well, I, I, I think you are spot on enough. I think it goes back to that thing with coach's ego because... You know, I'm 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 an Ipswich Town fan, okay. So my you know my team put him in, 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 in with Division One somewhere now, okay. But if you speak to any Man United fan, he said, you know, you make a switch now and get you know get any manager back. They take Ferguson. They go, yeah, of course. So every single Man United fan, every single coach in the world will have will have a soft spot for Ferg, Alex Ferguson, okay. Yeah. Let's 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 let's, let's talk, you know, let's talk talk for the truth. Like Ferguson would. Would, would put your arm around you one minute and give you a kiss, and you put your arm around the next minute and smack you in the face. But people will still go, oh, I love Ferguson. He, he went fast. He, he, he done what Dennis Wise did. You know he has. He's been reported many a time. He's done well. Yeah. But but, so, so you saying that you wouldn't have him? You idolise him? So your people only take the good things out. Of what they want. Yeah, of course. They don't take what they want to take out from it. Those elite countries. You know, from the Ferguson to the Mourinho's, Man City boy to, you know, Jurgen Klopp. I guarantee they would have done that in their changing room if things weren't going well. But they get put on a pedestal of how great they are because people understand the realities of the situation they're in and they don't see that depth of human interaction. They see the quickness of the end of the great goal. They don't understand what, you know, what, how they how those goals will come about? How that team ethics, that team camaraderie, that team dynamics, that never say lose, never say you know, never say lose attitude, that win at all costs. That is built on what Dennis Wise does. 
Yeah, of course it is, 100%. And then I think, I think the only difference is, as you get to the elite level, is them sort of people, they know when to introduce them kind of moments. Like, to be fair, Dennis Wisewood, he would yeah. know at that moment, that player that he's talking to in that clip needed that. And then you'll go into your change room another time and you know someone needs an arm put around them. But as you say, that, that, can't, that will never, ever go from the game. I don't care what anyone says. Top-level top coaches, there's, gonna, there's still going to be tea trays thrown across the room because at that moment in time, that person needs that. And that coach has built a relationship with the player to know that that player needs that at that time. But I've read interviews with Ferguson where he used to say, uh, sorry, with King about Ferguson. And he'd say, sometimes you'll be losing 4-0 and you expect to come in the change room and get your fucking head blown off. And he'd, he'd sit down, he'd be all calm and he'd put his arm around you. And he said, other times you'd come in 2-0 up thinking you've done all right and Fergie's absolutely blowing your head off because he ain't happy. Yeah. But obviously, Ferguson was a genius of knowing when to introduce him moments. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, as you say, I think a, gen a generation of social media, they just... They paint a picture of a perfect philosophy and a code of what it should all look like. It's never going to happen. Ever going to happen. I, mean, I have these arguments with coaches. I have these arguments all the time. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm from a, I'm from a generation where the more I've got, the more I've coached, the more I've read coaching, the more I've always gone back to the crazy gang days. You know, if I want team mm -hmm. dynamics and team ethic, team desire and team will to win. And, you know, it's, it's, it's us against the world attitude and no one's going to give you anything unless you work hard. You know, you can't, you can't not appreciate you know, going from non-league to win the FA Cup in five years to the multi-million pound players. And those players have sold, you know, they're, they're celebrities now. So I, I, get a lot, I, I get a lot of a stick about, you know, being that purist. But I always say, you know, Main Street got a second rule. If you lose the ball, get it back in three seconds or stop the game. Now, hmm. If you stop the game, you've committed a foul. And if you yeah. commit a foul, you've broken the law. And, you, you know, so even at that elite level, when you look at the scripted patterns of design of football and you see the match of day, great goals of the season, and everyone's cheering from, there's an underlying dark side. Of course. And, and I think... And, and when I think you like to look at that, then I think people start to understand, you know, these two, these two go hand in hand. Of course, I agree. You've only got to look at Liverpool. Obviously, a lot of people look at Liverpool with the ball, how great they are, the front three. But as, as if you watch Liverpool without the ball, they work even harder. Yeah. And as you say, but people don't highlight that anymore because, oh, look how pretty they are on the ball. Look how good the front three are. But actually, hang on a minute. There's, they work down slightly harder off the ball to get themselves on the ball, if that makes sense. There's still that, there is still that fight at that top level to be that good, if you see what I'm saying. But people don't seem to see that or want to see that anymore. Because you no. never, it's kind of old school. No one would ever put a clip on a clip on Instagram now of a big tackle, would they? It's all of a passing pattern and a goal because people seem to think that's the right thing to talk about. But Absolutely. what's wrong with being a what's be, what's wrong with being a good number four that uh, smashes tackle and distributes the ball to your better two centre midfielders? It's not. Well, the, but it, people don't seem absolutely. to want to talk about that sort of player anymore and it's it's kind of not core and it, it drives me nuts but I think it'll come back round again I think things well, go in cycles don't they? I think that's one of the things that you you know you always say to, to coaches at any level is you know as 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 pretty as you want to be off 
don't be surprised or disappointed or frustrated when you get onto the field. Everything on a bit of paper literally goes out the window. Okay, when, yeah. are, when it's, when it's 11, 11 people, you know, it's man against man or woman against woman, position against position. It's, it, there are going to be many times when it's not pretty. You know, Agreed. it goes against you. And it, it comes back to that, you know, you don't have to be the dirtiest player in the world. You don't have to come from a, 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 a team ethics where you are, you know, us against the world attitude. You, just, you know, you choose your own philosophy. But you okay. must understand, and that's my view as, as a coach, that the ultimate thing in football is winning. Yeah. Do everything you can not to lose. When you do lose, not to lose, yeah. you must have an emotional attachment to it not want to do it again and I think like, so we go back to that you know these things I think in this social media this in this, this easy access well has been lost the real the real reality of the situation that you're in is so covered in a pretty bone a pretty picture and a pretty box and a you know candle on top but actually you don't understand that inside that box is the truth you know yeah so, I was to sort of, you know, ask a few questions, really, and, and start talking about what's your next step. Obviously, you know, next season's going to come, but what's your next, what's your next step in coaching? Um, so, I've, I'm just waiting. Well, I've just got on to the UEFA B now, which was meant to start in July. Um, so, I've just gone to that. Been trying to get on that for a couple of years, but as you know, you have to be working in the 11 v 11 game now. Um, which I wasn't with before Bridges, well, I was at a college, but it wasn't really suitable. Um, so, yeah, I've been accepted onto that, which was good. Obviously, Bridges next season, hopefully kick that on a little bit. Um, but in terms of personal development, yeah, just keep just keep trying to be better than what I am today. If you're 1% better every day, then you're going to head in the right direction. What's the biggest learning curve you've learned since you've been coaching? Uh, simplicity. Of just being real, um, just as you say, you haven't got to know all the answers. You just put on an honest, simple, simple and effective practice that they're going to get. I think, as you've spoken about before, too many coaches want the session to look good for them. When hang on a minute, you could you could do that in minimal equipment and, and a much simpler form than what you've just delivered it in, and you would probably got more out of it than what you just have. So yeah, just simplicity and they're they're people before they're players, they're people. Yeah. Um, so to learn to deal with that and it's it's funny actually um, just going off tangent a little bit when I was on the UEFA B preview course um, I spoke to uh, one of the lecturers there and he was putting in a practice and he um, there was a practice where I can't remember it was a keep ball practice anyway one of the one of the boys that was in the practice he must have touched the ball honestly about four times in the 40 minute in the 40 minute practice and I said to the, the tutor, I said, are you not going to get him involved? And he was like, nah, not, I wouldn't get him involved today. Like, he was obviously trying to create a scenario. He said, no, he's not involved today. Um, he's not a primary player, which I understand. Obviously, he practices work around primary players. Obviously, if you're looking at crosses from wide areas, your primary players are the two and the seven, looking at the three and the 11. Um, so I can understand. But what I struggled with, uh, like the BFA courses and things like that, is the realism of them. Because obviously, yes, I understand in an academy set up, that boy's happy to come out, watch the practice, touch the ball four times, go back into the scrumming pool, have a massage, go to the gym, go home. 
if you do that at non-league level where someone's travelled an hour and a half training, he's just left work early, he could have been earning more money at work and you say to him, right, Tommy, you're just not, you're not a primary player tonight. You're only going to touch the ball three times. There's a problem there. Yeah. And as, a, as, a, as people, there's a problem there. I wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't be happy with that. Um, so yeah, I struggled. I struggled with that on with the FA courses. I struggled with the realism of them, um, and I've learned that as I've done the one, the two, and obviously now the B. Obviously, the the information's good and the technical input's great, but a lot of the time they're delivered by people working within professional academies. So I think they they lose the realism of what the real world is. For example, they talk about right, take your midfield four off, and it's like, what would I do with the rest of the players? Because I'm the only coach today. Or they talk about, right, get there an hour early, have your practice set up. It's like, well, no, we use a 3G and it's booked till six o'clock when we start. And then you spend until quarter past six changing the goals around because the other team before you have had them how they want them and you're not starting your session till quarter past six. You've only got third. So for me, the, the, the courses, I struggle with the realism of them. Obviously, the technical input and all that is, is fantastic because they're high-quality, skilled coaches. But the realism, I, I have struggled with that. But it's one of those things, really. Everything has to come back to the environment that you're in and everything has to come back really to, as, you know, to making it as real for that environment as you can. Uh, and like I say, you know, I think this is, this is a prime example where you know, it's, it's all about people first and players second. Agreed. So before oh, yeah. we finish, mate, uh, like I say you've gone from playing to coaching in a, in a blink of an eye. You've worked at, you know, working with your your academy at a younger level, and you worked older. What advice would you give any aspiring player that's coming through now, whether they're going to come to uh, go through your academy or join your men's football next year? What, what sort of bit of advice would you give anyone who's aspiring to uh, to be the best you can be? Um, enough is never enough and do more than what you need to do um, and I think if you live by them three them three things I think you do well and as I, I spoke a lot about in this podcast is you've got to enjoy it um, obviously I, I speak to my parents a lot about this um, obviously being at the academy the, the, the Ace Academy I get a lot of parents asking obviously at a primary school how can I get my boy into Brighton into Arsenal and that's great. I get you want your aspirations, your kid. I, I'd done that as a kid. I'd done Brighton from six to 16 and I hated it. I absolutely hated it because it wasn't enjoyable. Um, I, I've got a little bit of a thing with academies up until the age of 12, just for the fact that uh, how could you take away a kid's life at seven years old? Mm. It's like I had a boy, uh, plays my nephew team, got picked up at Chelsea Academy. Great. Coaches going to be brilliant. He's then back in the summer watching the tournament there at I said, well, Josh, why are you not playing today? I'm not allowed to play for Chelsea won't let me. It's like you can't you can't take that away from an eight year old. You can't. Social the FA talk about all the social side and psychology side. You can't take that away from a kid at eight years old. Um yes I get they're worried about bad habits, but they're still getting good coaching at Chelsea. Yeah. And let's be honest, eight years old it's kind of irrelevant as long as they're getting the basic fundamentals of what they need to be doing. So I've got a bit of a bugbear with that. So I just say to these boys that go on to is please just make sure you're enjoying it. And it's such a hard what they've done, let's be honest, out of the hundred boys in the academy, they're probably they're looking for one. The yeah. rest of you are making up the numbers to take to the games and to take to the training session because they can't just take one through. And I was lucky enough to be in Lewis Dunk's year. So I look back and I was at, I was at Muppet for Lewis Dunk. Mm. 
because yeah. I was just I was the one that spent all my life putting my dreams into that so for them to bring him through so if I'd enjoyed it I wouldn't have had a problem with it but I didn't enjoy it so I do look back and regret that so yeah no matter what you do whether it's your career don't be scared to say I'm not enjoying this and that's where I look back as a kid I was too worried with everything about being in an academy environment is to put my hand up and say I'm not enjoying this and as I said before in the podcast if you enjoy something you're going to be better at it and I wasn't and that's it was funny because when I got to 16 and I sat down with Martin Hootswoods and he said, look, you ain't got a scholar. And he said, he said, you look like you don't enjoy playing football. Mm. And I thought, I thought you're spot on because I don't in this environment. But that's just a mental life though, isn't it? If you don't, you know, oh, cool. how, how can you live your existence and not enjoy what you do? You can't. Working with your, you know, in your relationship. Or how can no. You know, but there are millions of people who that would to this now who are going, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Well, get out of it. I'll get out of it. And that's, as you say, that's of everything. I have that bugbear. How many, how many fellows moan about their job? Go and find a new job. Yeah. How many fellows moan about this or that? Go and do something about it. If you're listening now, go and do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing, nothing's that important to not enjoy doing it. Mate, so I mean, that's, that's one thing, as I say, you've got to enjoy it. I keep going back to that. You've got to, before you know it, it's over and you can't do it anymore and you look back with regret and... It's not a thing with, right? Yeah, all I can say next year, Free Bridges, I'll tell you what, you're going to have a buzzing place, mate. It's going to be... No, I appreciate that. People want to play, want to have fun, want to enjoy it, want to express themselves. And, you know, and look, we, we all search for environments where, you know, we can be us. You know, and I, and, and I think next year, we're, with, you, with you guys down there, I think you're going to have such a great time. So if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're a player and, and this man reached out to you, the first thing you're going to get, not only is great coaching, not only great environment and great pitch, you're going to have so much fun playing what is the best game in the world. In the world. Right, Jamie, mate, thank you so much for being a, being a guest. You know, not only have you spoken about football, but spoken, spoken personally about yourself as well, which is, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to, to open up, but some, you know, the words of wisdom that you let go today, you know, it's, a, it's an inspiration for all, all coaches. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a, an armchair fan of you guys next year, and I'm going to be buzzing for everything you do because, like I said, I know you're going to your place down there is going to be rocking like nowhere else. No, Steve, it's been a pleasure, a real honour to be on. Appreciate that, buddy. No worries, mate. Guys, top man. Guys, when you listen to this, to this man, he's got so much information to say personally and professionally. And uh, like I say, driving yourself up the way he's done today personally, it's not an easy thing to do. Guys, like I say, in, in all these interviews at the moment, because this will go out uh, either tonight or tomorrow, which will be the 20th or the 21st, you know, we're still in a lockdown situation. Stay at home, stay safe. And as this man says, go and have fun. Go and do everything with passion. And you know, put a big smile on your face enjoy everything you do. Because if you don't, it's going to get quite boring. All right, guys. Until next time, stay with me, man. Take care and have fun. See you soon. Bye-bye.